0: Hi, everyone. I'm Kyle Boucher, and this is the AAF Exchange, a podcast from the American Action Forum where experts provide clear, data-driven insight into today's economic and domestic policy issues. Welcome, and thank you for tuning in. The president names deregulation as one of his signature policy achievements. But how is he doing this, and how is it actually impacting businesses and individuals? Here to explain the president's deregulatory agenda Is Dan Bosch, the Director of Reg Policy here at AAF. We will also be joined by Dan Goldbeck, the Senior Reg Policy Analyst, later in the show to discuss specifics. So Dan, thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me. So the Trump administration names deregulation as one of its signature achievements um, since they've come into office. Broadly speaking, what has the administration been doing on the regulations front?
1: Well, the term deregulation is relative because there's still plenty of regulation that's happening at federal agencies. But the biggest change in this administration's approach to regulation is the implementation of what's called a regulatory budget. And that sets a cap on the amount of economic costs an agency's rules can impose. And so the administration is saying if you want to impose a major rule, you can certainly do that. But you have to go back to your current stock of existing regulations and find savings to offset those. Mm -hmm.
0: So it's like maybe like a two for one for every new regulation to have to come off
1: the books. It's not exactly two for one, which is the catchy buzz phrase that the administration uses, which is great marketing. Um, (laughs) But it is having the effect of actually being more than two rules they're getting rid of for every major rule that they're imposing.
0: Interesting. Okay, so uh, regulatory reform whether you listen to the president or you're listening to Republicans on the Hill, uh, tends to be one of their key economic achievements when they're talking about you know, the economy. And they've clearly put a lot of stock into the economy for the election season. So I'd like to talk a bit about whether these efforts have a real tangible effect on the economy overall. And then I'd like to break down uh, a bit further to discuss the impact on businesses and individuals. So Let's start with businesses. What are sort of the tangible effects this is having on businesses?
1: I think the biggest tangible effect we're seeing economy-wide is actually with businesses. And it's actually not directly related to any specific regulation or set of regulations that have been removed, but it's just the general tone of what's coming out of Washington. They know that agencies are not looking to regulate them out of business or even just regulate them to the uh, maximum capacity that they're able to regulate. They feel like they're going to get a fair shake from this administration. And what that has done is it's freed them up to say, I know that I'm not going to have to invest so much in stuff to get me up to compliance with certain regulations. Instead, I can invest in either new workers, maybe make a capital investment in my business to improve my efficiency, those kind of things.
0: So basically, it saves a lot of paperwork hours. Maybe you don't have to pay as many people to make sure you're in compliance with with all these regulations. Is that pretty much the gist of it?
1: That's the gist of it, and I would also add that you're you're not worried about what's coming. So you're able to say, I can make investments Mm -hmm. elsewhere. There's no uncertainty in the market. There's less uncertainty. There's always going to be uncertainty, of course, but definitely less uncertainty.
0: Okay. So what about individual Americans? So me at home, how has this impact, how's this deregulation agenda affected me?
1: Well, the unique thing with this approach that the administration is taking is that probably the individual American won't necessarily feel it um, per se. And that's because the approach the administration has been taking is to get rid of a lot of the Obama era rules that never actually went into effect. So things like the Clean Power Plan, things like the overtime rule. Um, Americans never felt the impact of those regulations. So they're not necessarily going to notice that they've been freed from this burden. (laughs) Um, But the businesses that they work for or that they start um, have been. And I think we've seen in the economy since the administration has come into office that people are generally doing better.
0: Oh, great. Um, So looking forward, what would be the likely impact of the administration's deregulatory efforts?
1: I think the impact of it is that it's going to make this regulatory budget concept much more mainstream. Um, Prior to this administration, people were very skeptical of it. They didn't know if it could actually work. And so the downside is this was just put in place with an executive order. So it has no lasting effect necessarily, um, unless future presidents want to keep it going. I think that's probably unlikely if we were to have a Democratic president come in next Um, or even a Republican one. It's possible they might think that's not the right approach. So what it has done, though, is sort of made this more of an idea that people can get behind. Um, They've seen it work now. They know it can have some benefit and it's not totally unwieldy to actually put into practice.
0: Yeah, before this whole regulatory budget sort of came into the, into, you know, Common use. It was regulation just seemed to be this abstract red tape style uh, talk, campaign talking point, but it seems a lot more concrete these days.
1: Yeah. And I would say that typically what we saw under previous administrations of both parties is regulation just meant you're adding regulation. Mm-hmm. And now we're seeing regulation can mean going back over your books and carefully and thoughtfully getting rid of unnecessary burdens. Mm-hmm. So you
0: mentioned the this can all be done away with an, ex- an executive order. Yeah. Um, And when I first came to DC, I was hearing all these, well, we need to start deregulating and getting rid of regulations. And it seemed, why haven't all these Republicans just used or even people that want to get rid of regulations just use an eraser? So how sustainable are these reforms? Could the next administration just come back in and say, we're tacking these regulations back on?
1: Yeah. Well, so that's sort of the approach the Trump administration has taken. As I mentioned, they're sort of going over the Obama rules and saying, which ones don't we like? Which ones are going to cause undue burden? Let's get rid of those. What we're actually seeing is when those get challenged in court, the Trump administration is having some difficulty actually getting those rules through. Um, So it's not so easy for any future administration to just come back and strike out what a previous one has done, despite Mm -hmm. the fact that they will probably try.
0: Mm -hmm. Is that I'm sorry, is that because of the uncertainty like that you're creating where you can't really have one administration saying one thing and then four or five, eight years later another administration saying a different thing? Is that sort of
1: why these the courts are kind of stepping in and saying, well, you can't do this? Exactly, because – The agencies, in order to promulgate a rule, they have to establish a fact-based record. So to deregulate, you also have to establish a fact-based record. Mm -hmm. So you can't just, it's difficult to go back and forth reestablishing certain facts and taking certain facts away or changing facts. Um, So that's why rules are so difficult to get rid of
0: and I'm sure we could do an entire podcast on the regulation process alone. But luckily, you already have done a great video on that. One of the first <laughs> videos you. we produced when I when I started here, and I still go back and have to rewatch that video every once in a while. Uh, you did a great video on the regulations process, and actually the deregulations process as well was part of that, and how it's not just as easy as you know writing up a regulation um, or writing up a deregulation and just taking that eraser and crossing it out. Um, and of course, We'll, for our viewers at home, our listeners at home, we will provide you that link to that video because it is an excellent video and everyone should watch it. So switching gears, certainly many have sounded the alarm about the negative impacts of deregulation. Um, you know, have the, uh,
1: have the administration's actions uh, compromised safety in any ways? Not from any evidence that we've seen. Um, and I sort of I take issue with a lot of folks that take that approach and say that, we're deregulating, and then therefore necessarily we're making people less safe. There are plenty of regulations and regulatory language that you can modify to make less burdensome on those that have to comply with it, but they don't jeopardize safety. And so I think a lot of people take the approach of, well, you're removing regulatory code Therefore, you're automatically getting rid of federal protection for certain things. Meanwhile, there could be state laws and regulations that offer the same protection, so you're just avoiding a duplication of efforts at the federal and state level, um, and other things like that. So, I think people need to be open-minded about a lot of these changes. Mm -hmm.
0: And and in the same vein, uh, has deregulation, deregulation
1: had a negative impact on the economy? We certainly haven't seen it. And I would argue that it's had a a positive impact. Obviously, Mm -hmm. the economy has continued to improve throughout the Trump administration. And I think a lot of that is attributable to the fact that businesses don't feel like they're going to be overly regulated. Interesting.
0: Well, uh, before I let you go, I got to bring up uh, an interesting topic. (laughs) Um, And for you, I know you're a big sports fan. Uh, I'm a Patriots fan. So I have to ask, uh, do the bills stand a chance of in the division this year, in your mind?
1: Probably not this year. It might take a few years, but one of these years we will certainly get there. <laughs> and hopefully we bring back the days of the early nineties yeah. when the Bills used to own the I, Patriots. But I, I will say that I think that, you know,
0: you guys are have a great coach up there who I is moving you all in the right direction. And it seems, you know, you were a playoff contender, what, two years ago now? Mm-hmm. So there's, I think there's some hope, but I hope not that much hope.
1: We're eternally hopeful in Western New York, that's for sure.
0: <laughs> well, Dan, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. We just heard from Dan Bosch, who described in broad terms the Trump administration's deregulatory efforts. Now we have with us Dan Goldbeck, who will dive a little deeper into specifics of how the administration has gone about this. Dan, thanks for joining
2: us. Oh, thanks for having me.
0: So first, and Dan Bosch talked about this a little bit in the first part of this podcast, but maybe you can go into a little bit more detail on it. What is the regulatory budget and how is it supposed to work?
2: Well, regulatory budget is a pretty simple idea, actually. Uh, it's essentially taking what's sort of like a fiscal budget and applying it to costs and cost savings and regulations. Mm-hmm. Uh, the idea has been around for a while, actually. Uh, the UK, Canada have implemented certain versions of it. And this is the first time the U.S. has actually implemented a version of it. And so basically what the administration is going for here is along the fiscal year, uh, particularly this fiscal year of 2019, they have a goal of $18 billion in net savings across all agencies. And so the way they're going about that is through this one-in-two-out system where for each chunk of regulatory costs you bring in, you have to do double that in regulatory savings. Um, and so that's sort of the motivating factor that sort of mm-hmm. gets all rolling. So is, it, is do you think it's working? It's really sort of a work in progress. The administration's goal for FY 2019 is $18 billion in net savings. And currently, they stand at about $10 billion in net costs. Now, it was sort of assumed that they were going to make up a lot of that with the uh, repeal of the Clean Power Plan uh, that was supposed to have tens of billions of dollars of savings. But it dropped last week, and uh, actually... Due to a change in the baseline, which uh, Dan Bosch actually has a good explainer of this on our website, it actually has a billion net costs. And so they have about a $30 billion swing that they have to do in the next few months. So wait and see if they can take care of that. But on the flip side, their first two years were uh, net savings years, which is pretty historic. Interesting. Can you put
0: that into uh, historical context for us? I mean, I know there was a lot of talk, political talk during the campaign talk during the uh, Obama administration that, you know, we've never seen this kind of regulation. You know, we saw a lot of, I think what they called 11th hour regulations come out of the Obama Mm -hmm. administration. midnight regulations. Midnight regulations is what they call them. Thanks for the correction there. Um, So put put, put all this in historical context for us.
2: So yeah, like I was saying, you know, these past couple years have been really, as far as we can tell, the first years of net savings. As far as we tracked throughout the years, um, and yeah, comparing to the Obama administration, you had I think we compiled it all up to about eight hundred ninety billion, so almost a trillion um, in total regulatory costs across that administration. And so now you have compare that to you know so far we're about ten billion or so in net savings under Trump, and so you're seeing. Yeah, obviously the scale is a major difference in scale, but the sort of historical trend is a sharp shift, uh, at least directionally.
0: Yeah. So, Dan, what are some other areas that the Trump administration is focusing on with their deregulatory efforts?
2: Well, another sort of notable areas are some of these healthcare rules that are coming out, and it's interesting because so HHS each year has to set out these rules, setting sort of payment levels for Medicare and Medicaid and these are typically pretty routine rules dealing mostly with you know shuffling around fiscal budget issues but this past year they've actually finalized a number of them that include significant paperwork reforms that try to streamline some of you know the various forms and stuff that go into some of these programs so that's been sort of an interesting avenue for them in terms of It's not necessarily changing wholesale regulatory programs more than just trying to streamline some of the processes, make it more efficient, cut down red tape. Uh, And so they've been able to find at least a few hundred million in savings across those programs. So it's a very sort of interesting aspect there.
0: What about some, as we're talking about deregulation, what about some of these rules that have come up that maybe are interesting or unique or just weird?
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, some of my favorites of that genre include there's one called Eliminating Unnecessary Requirements for Hog Carcass Cleaning. (laughs) Didn't Uh, know we needed that. And so, yeah, I mean, that's basically removing, apparently, it's a provision that requires you to clean a hog carcass before you cut it open. Uh, That takes care of that uh, requirement (laughs) now. Uh, And then there's also one I found that was dealing with railroad noise emission compliance. And so that's basically getting rid of this requirement that they had where each train needs to have a specific badge or tag attached to it saying it was complying with noise emission standards. Right. Um, And I'm sure everyone could read that as the train was driving by. Yeah, just vroom, vroom, vroom. Right. Um, All these in terms of their price tag, in terms of savings, aren't nearly on the scale of some of the previous ones we talked about. But it's just sort of interesting to see all the different sectors of the economy and activities that you're able to... You know, regulation covers so many different things and so you have... A wider way of targets in terms of you know being able to find reforms and stuff.
0: Now you have a great product out there that actually tracks every single regulation out there. It's called Reg Rodeo. Um, you have the weekly product with the weekend regs that come with the re- uh, Reg Rodeo. What what are you doing there?
2: So yeah, every week uh, we try to compile all of the regulatory costs and paperwork burdens that come through uh, any of these regulations or in. As recently, you know, these deregulatory actions kind of going in reverse. Uh, And so we update that weekly. It's found at regrodeo.com. We take all the uh, estimates from the agencies themselves, and we currently have almost 5,200 final rules. 5,200? Yeah. Wow. Catalog going back to 2005. Uh, And we calculated about 1.1 trillion, with a T, in uh, total cumulative costs over that period so far. And again, it's an ongoing thing, mm-hmm. Updated weekly.
0: Yeah, it's a great product. And I think everyone should should take some time to check it out and even embed it on your website if you, if you uh,
2: so yeah, choose. Yeah, and there's all sorts of fun functions to it. You can categorize by agency or by just sort of issue areas that, interest you in particular and you can toggle off different years and all that so Mm -hmm. it's a fun little tool hopefully informative yeah
0: Um, so we like to end these podcasts on a little bit of a fun entertaining note hopefully to get to know you a little bit Um, we do know that regulations uh, impact A lot of different areas as you mentioned before one of those areas happens to be of something that i believe is of interest to you which is uh breweries and the craft beer industry um what so as as we close here today give us some thoughts about uh dc breweries what's your favorite one
2: take it away sure i mean dc is a particularly interesting town in terms of breweries it in interesting way has a regulatory history to its own and that uh, unlike since it's not a state it doesn't have the same sort of structure in terms so you can actually bring in beer from other states without the same sort of regulatory process and so over the past decade there have been a number of bars that have taken use of that and able to get a number of beers from across the country mm-hmm. come in relatively freely and so you've developed quite a Significant beer culture here in DC, sure. and so
0: do a lot of other states have sort of those regulations on them.
2: Well, one of the interesting thing with beer regulation is that it varies so much state to state in terms of not only production but you know how much you can bring in, what rate it's taxed at, any number of very very mundane and complicated details. <laughs> uh, maybe maybe talk for another podcast sometime. But yeah, so DC is a very I think underrated. Uh, beer town uh one of my current favorites partially because they're now a couple blocks away from me is called red bear brewing oh yeah a few steps away from the noma metro they opened up a few months ago uh and so yeah i was at that one the other day and it was it, it was they have a great beer selection in there um and so they're one of the newer ones on the block there's also up in silver spring A couple new ones astrolab and silver branch that are less than a year old and they're both nice and new and they're both a few minutes away from the silver spring metro there so another sort of easy (laughs) access one one of your other favorites Um, so yeah so new things popping up all around the area all the time excellent
0: well dan thanks for coming on today Mm, thank you We hope you enjoyed this conversation. Tune back in for our next episode where our experts will provide clear data-driven insights into today's economic and domestic policy issues. I'd also like to encourage you to check out any of the links in our show notes um, from this episode and also follow us on social media to hear more about AAF.